Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Market is here all by my lonesome, although we'll have guests uh, here throughout uh, the show. Uh, but I am on uh, remote today by my lonesome out here at CYL, Sauna Studios here. And I just did, Zach, you're going to enjoy this. I just uh, hastily did a, uh, the 30-minute the session they've got with these uh, little individual infrared saunas here. Uh, and I am so, like, I am drenched. This is, it's crazy what these things uh, can do in 30 minutes. Uh, I'm feeling amazing. This is, this <laughs> is incredible. Go. Like I was completely so I could just sweat to death. Get out, towel off, relax. Already feeling more energetic than before. Uh, I went in there, and you would have thought like fall asleep at thirty minutes. Uh, uh-uh, totally energized. This is I can't recommend this to you enough. This is great. I'm like I said this morning. I'm not a sauna guy, but it sounds like an experience I should actually check out. So I would try it. Cylinfraredstudio.com/slash/louisville because they've got them in a couple different places around the country. Highly recommend. Highly recommend uh, that to you. And I know Andrew was in here. We're like a couple of old men. Uh, he was. You know, they've got uh, the. In addition to the infrared sauna, they've got the uh, uh, the infrared lymphatic roller for like massage areas you might have some sort of issues with or whatever. And he was all over that thing. Had to fight him off of it at one point. So highly recommend uh, all of that. We'll talk about this uh, again uh, throughout the show. We've got a full one here. Even though I don't really love. The fact that uh, so often during the dead of winter uh, that it has felt like we've had to do summer radio so often. But I think, unfortunately, with basketball sort of going, men's basketball going the way that it has, uh, it has felt like we've had to do a whole lot of summer radio where we sort of had to look around or what am I going to talk about? I mean, normally, just to let you sort of in, during college basketball season, once football's over, during basketball season, don't really uh, have to spend a ton of time figuring out what things we're going to talk about. We just sort of pick from a number of things that are going on at this time of year. But when basketball is not good, man, it just it, it takes the life out of all of that. Uh, it makes it a whole lot harder. But we're still going to because it is a Louisville basketball game day. We're still happy uh, to be the uh, the flagship station for U of L. We'll have that game tonight. I. It's funny. I don't know. Uh, that we've really ever had a period where we enjoyed making these trips to Clemson. But this one, uh, I think, unfortunately, seems to me uh, to set up like one that's, that will be as unpleasant as many of the other trips that they've made to Clemson. This is not a great matchup for Louisville. Not that any of them are, but this is especially not a great one for Louisville tonight. Yeah, it doesn't seem like one, and especially coming off a game where Clemson got jobbed against Duke. I mean, you talk about ACC refs and Blankenbaker. That's one of the rare times I'll actually agree with them and say, yeah, the <laughs> ACC refs that night were absolutely corrupt against Duke. Clemson's a, what, a borderline NCAA tournament team. It's basically Duke, North Carolina, and essentially everybody else in the ACC. And they're kind of the closest team right now to joining that group but they're really not that close especially compared to North Carolina so it's a tough matchup obviously for Louisville never fun to go play at Little John Coliseum but I mean we've been surprised before they did go on the road and win at Miami maybe playing away from home might be good for them I don't know we're we're, we're grasping for straws at this point aren't we are we not yeah I think if we were trying to do anything like 
convince you that there's some drama involved here or something. Uh, I think, yeah, I think most of you listening would be able to see through that uh, or that, that this is a matter, unfortunately, of of like just tinkering. You know, that's not true either. Uh, sadly, I think for this season, I think we are we have been reduced to feeling like we are playing out the string, whether we like it or not. Uh, Texture says, let's do a Mount Rushmore today. I did bring up Mount Rushmore's. Uh, with you and with Louie earlier today of NFL coaches, that is something I'd like to go back to at some point uh, with you uh, and listeners uh, here today because it certainly seems like Andy Reid would have a place uh, coming up in this Super Bowl to put himself in extremely rare uh, category of coaches with the, the Super Bowl success that he's had. And yet, somehow, I feel like he's an underrated coach. Is that Does that sound crazy to say to you? That like I feel like when we rattle off either currently great coaches or all time great coaches, you don't, I don't ever hear anybody name Andy Reid like first or second. No, we always talk about Bill Belichick, and when we talk about historically, it's Belichick, Lombardi, Shula, Bill Walsh. Like there's six or seven names we just rattle off before we even get to Andy Reid. And nowadays, everybody likes the shiny new toy. So you're talking about Dan Campbell, you're talking about Kyle Shanahan. When we talk about the best coaches in the league, you know, the last couple of years. People, the default answer was Belichick, just based on reputation. It's really been Andy Reid since 2019, and I don't really think it's all that close. No, I I think you're 100% right uh, about that. So we will talk uh, about that here uh, throughout the show uh, as well. We'll talk about this Clemson game uh, tonight. We will talk about uh, the candidates. I wanted to, uh, at some point, uh, maybe open up the phones uh, a little later here and have a uh, issue a little bit of an opportunity later for the hardest core uh, Chris Beard fans out there uh, to either correct me uh, or persuade me that I'm wrong about this. Because just looking at uh, social media for over the last 24 hours uh, or so, all of a sudden he's being talked about a lot uh, with – polarizing opinions about him, which I think is perfectly normal. Uh, But I would like to hear and interact with some of you who think I'm wrong about this Uh, because I'm, I'm willing to listen to you. I'm even willing to change my mind about things. Uh, I don't think I will on this one, but I, I, I wonder if there wouldn't be some value in, in us being able to at least talk it out a little bit because I think both, it's being treated like it's a ridiculous position in both directions, and I don't really want to do that. Like, I don't want to treat it like any like my side is absurd or that anybody who doesn't think that that would be a good thing for Louisville to do is absurd either. Uh, and that's not that's not very easy to do. But I want to give it a shot at least. I, like, this is, is this safe enough for us to be able to just sort of hash it out a little bit? Yeah, I think it's worthy of a conversation. I think there's obviously strong sentiments on both sides, and I don't know if one side is necessarily 100% right because it's such a nuanced discussion. And look, I mean, we can talk about all the -the off-the-court stuff all you want. We all obviously know the on-court product the last two years, and it's it's interesting how people – look at this now with how the last two years have gone how much are they willing to overlook just to get back to feeling like Louisville basketball is relevant again and we can have these kind of conversations in January and February about being excited on a game day like that that complicates things I think it's funny that you mentioned that because I do think at some point uh, we all began to sort of miss really miss meaningful basketball games and basketball game day. Uh, it's been a very long time, I think, since since a 9 o'clock tip was no big thing. And I know that for a lot of us, like I, maybe I'm just getting older, but like you find yourself when, the, when they're not great that this feels a little bit more like a job uh, and less like something that you're excited about to watch and participate in as a fan. And, and it's it really is funny that you said it the way that you said it, Zach, because I do think there are there are a lot of people who really just miss all of the good feelings that come with with having a team and the agony, all of it, right? All and I, the, the I remember realizing I'm there during the the two games against Indiana and Texas, where for just you know two days. 
they were playing in Madison Square Garden, and it was the Louisville uniforms in the Louisville team, and it was Texas and Indiana, and it was pretty high-level basketball. Uh, sadly, I think it's proven, obviously, to be the uh, exception that proves the rule here uh, during Kenny's tenure. But for just a couple of those games, and when Texas hits that shot, I remember thinking, I hate this feeling, but also, man, I, I really miss this. And I'm really out of shape, so to speak, in terms of being a fan. We all are. We're all going to be real sore the next time Louisville starts playing like some real meaningful basketball, uh, like game after game. Like there's been, I think there's been a lot of fan muscle atrophy uh, over these last couple of years that, uh, thankfully, I think we'll be glad to work through and have go away relatively quickly. But I, I sense it out there, don't you? Yeah, I definitely sense it. I think everybody's just kind of on autopilot, and we're all just looking for something to be excited about. I've been here for a little over a year now, and I, I want to talk about a meaningful Louisville basketball game, and I've never been able to do that. I mean – the excitement here when Louisville is good is unmatched across the country. And right now it's just, we haven't had that. And it's just Ethan and Taylor openly talk about that. They don't totally watch all the games because it's just so painful right now. So I just think these people want something to be excited about. And right now there's nothing to get excited about because we just all are on autopilot. It's funny. We're all here uh, doing things like, scrounging for Trilly Donovan tweets and and things like that. Like that that's what we've been reduced to. Or we're interviewing the Bring Brom home guy, which I would like to talk about. Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh we can talk about uh Charlie Springer and his Boy, son he trends me and just about tags me in just about everything. Me and Phil always get it on Sunday morning hangover every time we put something out. It's uh Mick is the pick. I've been told that he's not thrilled that I called him a dork. Uh, but I think spamming everyone on the internet that uh, Mick is the pick is dorky. And well, I'm not, I'm not going to back off of that. No, well, he's not the pick because Charlie Donovan took him out of the the picture. I, well, I love that our our nameless, faceless sources are are at war, <laughs> right? Although I think to be fair, the uh, the Bring Brom Home guy who has become uh, Mick is the pick uh, guy has not been predicting it. He's just been advocating for it, right? Like, that's not the same thing. Yeah, we don't have these sources, these unnamed sources saying Mick Cronin's looking for houses in the area. Like, he's just <sighs> picking just like we are, like throwing something at the wall and hope it sticks. I do love the idea, and I don't know where it came from. I wonder if it was ever even true that there was a coaching search where someone was interested in the job and someone saw their wife touring a Catholic school. Oh, right, like we hear that stuff all the time. And I, I'm not sure that it has ever been the case that that stuff actually happens. But every every coach of men is Catholic and wants to own a horse farm. Because that's <laughs> all people ever see is their wives at touring Catholic schools are looking for big remote farms. Always. That's what we hear. But the truth is like like coaching searches. We can't even really do flight aware anymore. Like, people have caught on to these things. They will send dummy flights. They'll fly to places and meet. They'll fly twice. You're never, like, if Louisville, let's just theoretically, in uh, when the time comes and it's coaching search time, uh, Louisville's not going, you're not going to find a chartered flight from Louisville, Kentucky to Manhattan, Kansas. If they were going to interview Jerome Tank, for instance. Like, you, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And to add to everyone's agony for who is going to participate in this as we wait and wait and wait uh, for that sort of thing, I, in my experience, Josh Hurd has a better-than-average ability to keep his mouth shut. And I don't mean that like he's aloof. I mean he keeps that, t that circle extremely tight. And if you go back to a year and a half ago to when they hired Kenny almost two years ago now, there wasn't any. There were. There weren't. The only leaks that came were from the agent side, from the coaches side. There was nothing from the Louisville side that, on anything. And, and I, I think it's commendable, but it doesn't make our life any easier. So, this coaching search uh, talk is just not going to be super fun for us. No, and I miss flight tracking because I used to do that all the time with football coaches. It was always interesting to see. Oh, well, Urban Meyer's flying up to uh, Columbus, Ohio, to interview for the Ohio State job, or you know, Bobby Petrino is en route to Atlanta or wherever else. Like. 
they, they've gotten smarter about that. They're going to do layovers now, probably. They're not going to fly straight from Louisville to Manhattan, Kansas. They're going to go to, like, Chicago or something. Like, nobody's going to suspect, oh, the, Billy Donovan, oh, he's going to Manhattan, Kansas. Is he taking the Kansas State job? No, that's not happening. Like, I, I do miss flight tracker season. It was nice. It was nice for that short period of time that we had flight aware. Like it, th- that was fun for us, but it doesn't take these folks long to uh, to figure this sort of thing out. They didn't get to where they are in life uh, by being dumb or being predictable uh, in these uh, leadership positions like that. So we've got uh, a ton to get into, and I wouldn't mind talking a little uh, a little professional football with you, Zach. Uh, here really uh, throughout the show we've got two weeks between now and the Super Bowl uh, I want to talk about that matchup uh, a little bit as well <laughs> excuse me as well of uh, some of these coaching moves uh, in the NFL it, it remains uh, to me totally understandable but still remarkable uh, the that we're going to have an NFL with no Bill Belichick this year and a bunch of really young, really first-time head coaches in a whole lot of places that had openings for a long time that did a lot of work, and he's not the guy anywhere. And I just I find that shocking that a couple of years ago when you have the Brady-Belichick split, you know Brady goes to Tampa Bay for two seasons. They win a Super Bowl. They win their division. He sets like an NFL record for completions his second year, mm-hmm. uh, and the Patriots fall apart. And now Belichick can't even get hired, and Brady wrote out a hero. Yeah. You, I, I just it boggles me because I can't imagine Bill Belichick having to type out a resume at this point. His resume is six championships as a head coach, two as a defensive coordinator. Like when he did his interview with the Falcons, all he should have done is wrote twenty eight three. That's the only thing he needed to write on his resume to get the Falcons job. It blows my mind that these younger guys, somebody like Raheem Morris. Look, I like Raheem Morris. I would not hire Raheem Morris over Bill Belichick. Uh, the guy that Carolina hired, who was Tampa's offensive coordinator last year, had done some good things in Seattle. Should he be getting hired over Bill Belichick? I don't really know. I'm surprised Ben Johnson is going back to Detroit because it seemed for all the world like he was going to be the commander's coach. I was surprised that that didn't get done yesterday, and it sounds like the reason it didn't get done yesterday is he's going back there. So I know Louie's happy about that, and we'll see if they end up retaining both coordinators, which I don't think anybody would have thought was going to happen when the coaching carousel started. Yeah, the coaching carousel has been wild uh, for the NFL uh, this year. A full, what, 25% of the league uh, turned over this offseason, uh, and you're going to get a bunch of really the next generation of guys. Guys like Canales that are so young, uh, Harbaugh back in the NFL. Uh, and and at, at some point, uh, Zach, I'd like to also talk uh, about these three coaches stepping into new places uh, in college football, the three guys that the three teams that were in the college football playoff, we got new coaches in three places, uh, and one of them, Louisville fans quite familiar with, with mm-hmm. uh, Sharon Moore taking over at Michigan, and I, I tell you what, I, I don't envy the job that any of those three guys have. No, especially not Kalen DeBoer having well, to sure. follow the greatest college football coach of all time, and if he wins a national title every five years, he's way off the standard that Nick Saban has set. That's remarkable to think about. Steve Sarkeesian's the only coach that was in the playoff that is at his current job still. That is amazing to think about. We've never had that kind of turnover in the playoff era. And Sharon Moore, I mean, look, all the Michigan fans that said Ryan Day was born on third base, well, Sharon Moore's kind of born on third base too. So it's kind of the same deal there. But I'll be interested to see how that turns out because Michigan's not known for winning a bunch of national titles over the years. This is their first one in 75. So can Sharon Moore keep them at a level that they've been the last four or five years? Because it's not like Michigan has been Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State the last 20 years where they just kind of change coaches and they're always good. They built an identity around Harbaugh. We'll see if Sharon Moore can keep that going. Yeah, I wonder if uh, at some point, we again, we can talk about it uh, a little bit later, but I just in a way that's very similar to Andy Reid, uh, that if we, for as much as I like to make my jokes about how weird he is, and make no mistake here, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is any less weird than he was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I do think he has grown in people's estimations as a football coach. Uh, I think we underappreciated him and now maybe properly appreciate him, but we'll see how it goes with the Chargers. I think that's about right. Now, I'm 
kind of confused when he says I'm starstruck by meeting Justin Herbert, who's like half his age. That's a little bit out there, but I mean, that's quintessential Jim Harbaugh, isn't it? It is. Uh, he's uh, like many, many great coaches, I think, is gifted with uh, the ability to uh, just wield hyperbole with no fear at all. Uh, and that, that's a great example of it right there. Uh, worth uh, noting also Georgia's very, very long time uh, well, play-by-play announcer Claude Felton mm-hmm. uh, is retiring mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, from Georgia. Done that job for a very long time. Very long time. One of those people that I think you just sort of associate with uh, with Georgia. He's extremely good. That's right. Uh, at everything he does. Yep. So uh, good for him. Uh, I just I, I I was never a huge fan, but that was entirely because of my dad uh, in Georgia. Just don't like dude. I never liked him, but he's a great guy. I'm, I'm, it's totally fandom there. Uh, entirely mm-hmm. uh, involved uh, in that, uh, at least at this point. But again, we're out here at uh, CYL. Uh, did the 30 minutes on it. I, it's crazy. From the 20 minutes since we started the show, I am wide awake. Like after having, sitting in there 30 minutes uh, with eyes closed and all that sort of thing, getting a good sweat on, all that sort of thing, now I am amped. This is a really, really good feeling, Zach. I can't recommend this to you enough, man. You ready to go play some football? Like, is it, you guys let's ready not be to get crazy here. <laughs> yeah, let's not be crazy. Uh, but I, I won't just sit down all night. How about that? There you go. You just go with, listen to Mike Tomlin. You'll be ready to run through a wall. Baby steps. <laughs> we listen. The uh, the coaching carousel and the co- uh, assistant coaching carousel uh, is turning out to be awfully entertaining. I think for the NFL. Uh, for I know we have a lot of you who are Steelers fans, and now you get Arthur Smith as your offensive coordinator. We can talk about that uh, as well here. Coaching candidates, I mean, all of it, uh, it's on the table here. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, let's talk about this game tonight uh, for a good bit uh, and maybe what we're expecting, what we're hoping for, uh, if anything, uh, for tonight's game against Clemson. Tips tonight uh, at 9, so it's going to be a long, late one. Uh, for everybody, so you know, network uh, post game and then our post game show here on 93 on the Ville going to be late, surely going to be around midnight, I would say, or something like that. Uh, it is again mentioned it earlier, it's never been pleasant to make that trip. Uh, to little John, I can remember Patina losing a game down there for reasons that mystified everybody. Uh, before it hasn't always gone well, uh, there's certainly not a lot of reasons I think this one will go well, but we'll talk about specifically why, uh, in a little bit more all around that uh, on the other side. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis out here at CYL, the uh, sauna studio here where they've got uh, the individual infrared saunas uh, as well uh, as a host of other things out here. Highly recommend to you. Again, I mentioned it right at the very beginning. I did this thing uh, right before we came on the air. So I'm in a, uh, not only am I an endorser, I'm a client. Uh, they've got the infrared lymphatic roller uh, as well. Look, it's good for all this stuff. Weight loss, uh, you just your overall energy level, stress reduction. Uh, a lot of this stuff works really, really well for like muscle recovery and that sort of thing. If you're somebody that's pretty active, can't recommend to you enough. CYLinfraredstudio.com slash Louisville because they've got locations kind of around the country. Can't recommend this to you highly enough. Coming up on almost three years, so soon going to be their uh, their three year anniversary. They're going to have a promotion uh, around that uh, as well. So check them out. Uh, highly recommend it to you. Or you just give them a call five zero two six one eight two eight eight five about what they've got uh, to offer there. Just to lay things out, we're going to talk with Tyler uh, Griever at four, and then Jeff Wall is going to jump in with us like he normally does at four thirty. Uh, they are uh, getting into heading into uh, what should be. Uh, an extremely difficult portion of that schedule uh, coming up here. And basically the men and the women are about to do the opposites on the women's side. They're about to play a whole bunch of bonafide, really good teams and whatever seed line and ranking and everything that Jeff walls and his team ends up with, they will earn uh, in this uh, February and March portion of the schedule. 
uh, and the men, I think, are trudging through theirs now uh, and will have a chance, I think, to fatten up a little bit on some of the the easier parts of the ACC schedule. Although, of course, you don't need to tell me, none of this has been easy. Uh, and tonight, unfortunately, doesn't promise to be any easier. Uh, the In my life, Clemson basketball, to me, has always been not terribly skilled, uh, but they have been feisty. They have typically had, I think, some pretty imposing guys physically, maybe not uh, tall uh, at every position, but just I hope everyone understands what I mean when I say this. Men, like adult men, it looks like, uh, kind of across the board. They've almost always been that way. They've been able to develop guys, be patient with guys, be old, stay and be a little older. Uh, and that Louisville's really had, I think, to work for it, even in when they've had teams that are a lot more skilled. This Clemson team is different to me. Uh, the one that Louisville's going to face tonight, this team is is a lot more skilled offensively. I can't tell you how surprised I was uh, to look and see that this team is 15th nationally in offensive efficiency uh, on Ken Palm right now, and they are top 50 in effective field goal percentage. They're top 50 in not turning the ball over. So, like, when they have the ball, they do not turn the ball uh, over. They're in the top 50 in two-point percentage, free throw percentage. Uh, they don't get their shots blocked. They're top 100 as a three-point shooting uh, team. Like, there really are, for the first time that I can really remember, a dangerous, dangerous offensive team playing at home tonight. And I don't think I have to tell you uh, that the team that they will be facing from Louisville is atrocious on the defensive end. Uh, this It's as bad of a matchup for Louisville in terms of strengths and weaknesses uh, as, as Louisville will have uh, this season. Uh, I think Louisville's biggest problem is on the defensive end, just as a team and everybody individually all the way around. It's the, it's the clearest uh, indicator of sort of, to me, where the teaching and the coaching fails is how they play on the defensive side of the ball. And now they're going to go face a Clemson team that's, as Zach mentioned, angry after the uh, the screw job that they got in the Duke game. Uh, they also uh, are playing at home. They're going to be mad. They're really good at the things Louisville's really bad at. I don't really know where the silver lining is here, except to say we said all of these things about the Miami game. That's the, it's the only thing that's really stopping me uh, is that we said every single thing just like this about the Miami game, and then Louisville went out and played its uncharacteristically, amazingly good best game of the season. Yeah, the best game of the KP era, no doubt about it. I mean, Joseph Girard's a guy to pay attention to. He's averaging 15-3. and three. P.J. Hall's averaging 19 over their last 10 games. This is a Clemson team that likes to get up and run. Uh, very good offense, especially in transition, and we know – Louisville has struggled with transition defense, to say the least, this year. But, yeah, as you said, that's pretty much the one thing that we're leaning on is the fact that they did this uh, against Miami where no way, nobody had any expectations for them whatsoever, and they went down there and played their best game. And we have seen at times Louisville in the second half against North Carolina. Remember, they were competitive in that game for a decent portion of that game. They were competitive against Duke for a portion of that game. So there have been moments. There have been stretches. Obviously, they haven't been long enough. But it they've had the opportunity to be competitive in some of these games. So that's the only thing that's outright stopping me from saying, well, Clemson's going to win this game by 25, and that's it. We're going to switch things up here and talk with Tyler Griever from WDRB in just a moment. Uh, here, Zach's going to give him a call here in just a second to move things around uh, with our fluid schedules. Uh, and we'll talk with him and we'll get his uh, thoughts on uh, all of this uh, as well. But again, just it doesn't set up uh, as uh, the best of matchups uh, for, for Louisville tonight uh, in this Clemson game. But again, we've talked about how Anytime, I, in fact, I think it's it's fair to say, all season when I have expected the absolute worst, they have played better than I expected. Uh, it's the ones where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to to okay, I get it, I get it. Or they can't possibly see, uh, they can't play horribly in this game. And of course, like Arkansas State and DePaul, they did. 
Uh, but usually when I have sort of sat down and said, all right, I'm just going to – like, this should be okay. I doubt that they'll win, but it won't be the worst thing in the world. It has been the worst thing in the world. And so I'm, I am fearful of that element of, uh, of playing against Clemson, who also, by the way, has a big man uh, in P.J. Hall who's very skilled offensively. I mean, it sets up as a – it has the potential to be really, really lopsided if Louisville's not careful, and they really haven't been careful. Uh, very much, and we'll talk about that and more, I am sure, with Tyler Grieber from WDRB. Tyler, thank you for jumping in here, buddy. Uh, we'll talk Louisville basketball and all that crap here in just a minute. How are you doing as a um, a wounded Ravens fan after that? Uh, so last week we couldn't start with the Ravens and the excitement and all of that because we had to talk about all this basketball stuff, but this week we can start after they lose. I, I see where this That's I right. see what's happening here. It's, it's terrible. Uh, no, I mean, I, I was disappointed, obviously. Like, I, I think the main thing that I came away from it with was I just didn't understand the, the game plan. I mean, I hated it. I, I just – they got so far away from running the ball when that's the Chiefs' weakness on defense is, is their run defense. They've got good corners who can cover and man, and that's what they did. And, you know, that's not excusing Lamar. I really don't think Lamar – played a very good game. I don't think he made good decisions, and I wish he would have uh, taken off more with his legs. You know, there, there were some spaces there where I think he could have taken advantage of it. Um, having said all that, I'm not really all doom and gloom about it. I think they have some really nice pieces who are young, and I think they'll be right back in it uh, next year, but that doesn't mean that they don't have to make some adjustments there if they want to win on a stage like that against, against a team like that. The Chiefs showed exactly why that they're always in this position with Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey. What do you think is is like the most fair criticism of Lamar? You know, after a game like that, and then what? Maybe the most ridiculous thing you've heard. Uh, well, I mean, the ridiculous stuff is always the oh, well, he clearly just can't handle the the pressure of the playoffs or whatever. He's won playoff games. Like we're done with that. He, he's already led them to some playoff wins and. Played great against the Texans. He, you know, the Titans game a couple of years ago had the huge run that won them the game, that touchdown. Um, so I don't really subscribe to that. I think it's more the legit criticism of him is is to trust his instincts in some of those scenarios. Like it looked like to me, and I don't know if this is him or Munkin or whatever, but it, it was like a concerted effort to constrict him to the pocket and throw from the pocket. And he's good from the pocket. Like, the numbers back that up. But in time, man, if, if the defense is going to give you 15 free yards for you to run, take off and go. Like, this, that's easy yardage. And those are huge uh, in the playoffs. Like, I thought the main criticism I have of him was he wasn't taking what Kansas City was giving him. I think he was trying to force it downfield a little too much. And that was something we kind of saw with Josh Allen, too. Uh, I don't think the two of them are very different in a way of, like, Mahomes didn't do anything spectacular in the second half against the Ravens. He took what they were giving him in the first half, and they adjusted. That's something Josh and Lamar can, can learn from that, is that sometimes taking those, those singles and stuff it, is not a bad thing, and eventually you can hit a big play at some point. Yeah, I think I agree with you in one respect, uh, especially about Lamar, that you know, I think he's set out this year to prove, hey, they're going to put me in a big boy offense and take right. the training wheels off, and I'm going to be able to handle it, and he'll win the MVP, and he had a great year, uh, and then got to a playoff game where the Chiefs were like, let's make him beat us the old way and see if he'll still do it. And he yep. wouldn't do it. Yep, and I think that's – we got to stop with – and it's not just Lamar either. I think it's an organizational thing. Like, who cares about the spelling of Lamar narratives anymore? That's not the point. Like, the Ravens don't enter the season as, all right, got to prove Lamar Jackson is quarterback. No, the yeah. point's to win the Super Bowl, to win games. So we all know what Lamar can do, and I hope that that is past the organization now and they look hard at that game and say, look, this was a good first year of a new offense, a new offensive coordinator. Let's build on that. Uh, let's not stray too far away from a run game that's worked well for us. Um, especially when you have the matchup and they had the matchup, and, and that's what's kind of maddening to me. We're talking with Tyler Grieber from WDRB. Uh, Tyler, on the flip side there, uh, do you say that the 49ers came back, won that game, were heroic? Do you say the uh, the Lions Oof. 
choked? Yeah. Uh, what and what do you make of the the aggression from Dan Campbell? Because I'm I'm very much willing to listen to both sides of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And had some of that discussion with Louie a little bit this morning, but I'm kind of curious where you are. I I think I take a I can see both sides approach there. Like I, I'm normally more on the aggressive side of things with you know trust in your gut and and not deviating from who you are. Actually, that's one thing that I think is very strong in favor of what Dan Campbell did is like, that is who Dan Campbell is. I mean, that is how they have played all season. And admittedly, I initially had a reaction of like, man, I think I would have just taken the points, like go up all that. But then I, you know, I saw somebody point out that like, Hey, he's kind of done this all year. And I do agree with that. I mean, changing who you are is never a good thing. And I actually think it's something that I just hit on with the Ravens. They kind of did get away from who they were. And at this time of the year, you, you can't do that. Um, on the other side, like points are at such a premium in the playoffs that if you can make it a little bit bigger of a lead, like going from from 14 points to 17 points is a big deal in the playoffs. It just is. Um, so I, I get it from that side of things. What I do hate is that we're right back at the the analytics versus the old football guys. And I'm like, I really just – that's not it to me. Like you, you have to trust your gut in certain scenarios. And as long as you can explain your process in a way that is not making me sit there and say, wait a second, what are you talking about? Then I can usually live with whatever your answer is. And ultimately that's, that's how Campbell and them want to play football. And it's big for them to keep Ben Johnson too. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Tyler, uh, what's your gut, uh, just sort of blink, Thoughts on the Super Bowl, uh, who you think uh, will be favored, who yeah. you think will win. It, it, obviously, I'll leave you the uh, the permission to change your mind or whatever between now and the time <laughs> that, that game starts. But right now, just sort of your gut your gut reaction to the Super Bowl. Well, my gut would be I think the Chiefs are going to win because at this point, like, I don't know if I can pick against them. I mean, they've this was the year to me out of all the Mahomes years where I was like, I really don't know about them that wouldn't when they're going to match up with with Buffalo and, and Baltimore in the playoffs. And, you know, I thought the, the Dolphins game, like, Dolphins didn't want any part of that in that kind of weather. It just wasn't going to work for them. But uh, they just – they remind me of the Patriots in this way. They're not beating themselves. They're not making killer mistakes. And actually, when I think about the Ravens' loss, I've never felt so similar to losing to Brady and Belichick than what I just watched. Yeah. on Sunday. Because, I, I mean, look, people are like, man, how are you? I'm actually okay because I've seen Billy Cundiff miss field goals. I've seen the Ravens blow two two-touchdown leads in Foxborough. I've seen Peyton Manning and the Colts come into Baltimore and win 15-6 to when they won 13 games. They're like, I've, I've been through this. I've seen it. Uh, and this is as similar of a feeling to Brady Belichick after the loss that I can remember. So, I think just from the sheer standpoint of, like, i got to see these dudes lose on this stage, I'll pick Kansas City. However, if there is a team that's going to match up with you well in terms of running the ball and playing physical football, I think San Francisco should be able to do that. Like, they're going to run Christian McCaffrey, they're going to throw to Kittle, and they're going to throw to McCaffrey. Those things can help you beat Kansas City. It's just going to come down to you cannot make the mistakes. The margin for error is so thin against a team that's been that good for this long now. Uh, Tyler, what are you expecting uh, tonight in this one? Uh, this is not a uh, – look, no, none of the matchups are great uh, for Louisville, right. but this is this seems especially not a great matchup for a number of reasons uh, for Louisville, both in terms of like the motivation level uh, with this mm-hmm. uh, Clemson team and the way that they play and what they are good at and what Louisville is not good at, which is a lot of things. Uh, but just is there any reason in your mind to maybe be on the lookout for a Miami like a, a performance out of these guys, or or is this just straight Grin and Barrett? Yeah, I can't really pull too much out to say that I think they can replicate whatever they did at Miami. I mean, uh, well, I, I think the easy answer is if they want to pull off a performance like they had at Miami, then they got to defend better. I mean, the defense has been terrible. All year, I realize we're talking about a lot of things that, that haven't been good, but, I mean, goodness, I, I checked the defensive stats today. I mean, I think they're bottom 50 in the country, bottom 100 in scoring defense and field goal percentage defense. 
Ken Palm, they're like 254 in defensive efficiency. You can't win on the road. You can't win any game defending like that, much less a road game. So defense has got to improve. On the boards, you at least have Okorafor to help out a little bit with that because Brandon Huntley Hato is, you know, he's going to approach like L. Ellis level minutes from last year at some point because they don't have enough options in, in the front court. So now at least you have Okorafor if he stays healthy, Caleb Glenn to help out a little bit there. It's it's been really crazy to watch the defense just not even really take much of a step forward, and, and the rebounding has been a big problem too. So I, I would say those two things are are the first thing need to just compete. I think they're sixteen point underdogs tonight. If they don't defend and they don't rebound, or they keep putting on the same performances in both those respects that they have been putting out there, then yeah, Clemson's going to cover a sixteen point line. Have have they gotten better? In your mind, like, have they gotten better from the beginning of the year to now at in any specific area that really seems noticeable to you? I mean, I've watched them play some decent offense at times, um, but I don't think I'm comfortable saying they're like much better offensively because they're not sustaining it. I think when you look at it from an individual standpoint, you can make some cases. Like, look, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's had a good year. I, I really. I think he has answered whatever challenge KP had for him to up his level of intensity, to improve as a player. doesn't mean he doesn't have flaws. Of course he does. But um, first of all, the bar we're talking about here is pretty low, and he's cleared that. He's definitely gotten better. Um, outside of that, though, man, I, I can't sit here and say that I think they are demonstrably better at much. Uh, and, and I'm – you know, I could try and scan through some numbers and pick a few things out, but did we not say at the beginning of the year this is about an eye test? I mean, that's what Kenny himself pointed back to and said, you should be able to watch this team and see that they're more competitive and all this. Might have been true for some of this, but lately, you know, that first half against Virginia was abhorrent. I mean, it was terrible. I was there on the baseline for it, and they look completely overmatched, and I understand UVA does that to Louisville on a consistent basis, but it was just so crazy to watch Virginia run competent offense, make the right passes and all of these things, and then watch Louisville just haphazardly try to figure things out. It was a total mismatch. Yeah, there was something about that one, time. I made mention of this yesterday on the show with Biscuit that that Virginia game that was the first time I saw national college basketball media folks – frame things like why is Louisville keeping him like why is Louisville making yeah. like making Kenny do this uh and not just ending this already if the, it's, it just seems to me what is it about this game that you think made people react that way uh and, yeah. and does that represent some sort of a change uh, or some sort of progress in people's minds that like they're not even thinking about this as if it's something that could get fixed anymore yeah I think maybe just the halftime score and what it was. I mean, 41-13, even if you're somebody who is not covering the program consistently, if you're one of the national guys and you're, like, keeping tabs on scores throughout the day, just kind of checking on stuff, it just jumps out at you, right? It's like, wow, they only scored 13 points and a half? That's ridiculous. So that catches your eye. And then you compound that with the notion that everybody understands how much of a dumpster fire this has been for a while now, and it makes you say, oh, wow, like, really? They're going to just keep trotting this out there? And I don't have a great answer for that, to be honest. I mean, I think I've stated on here before, yeah, I, I think there is more than enough evidence to make a change if you wanted to make a change. Um, but, again, my, my point to all of that is, is like, I, I agree with Eric Crawford in this regard. I just don't know how much better or what is going to be accomplished by inserting an interim coach in when, A, it doesn't seem like there's a good idea of who that would be, and, B, it's not going to improve the results. I really don't think it will. And I don't think there's going to be some influx of crazy attendance support for making a change. I, I just don't see that either. That'll happen when you start winning games. And making the change is not going to help you win games this year. And I think everybody's just kind of stuck with it for the rest of the season. Barring something, just an absolute disaster of, and I don't even know what that would be because we've seen plenty of bad performances. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just a 
really bad situation to, to be in. Uh, I feel like maybe I should do this for every guest that we have, like going forward. Uh, but I was wondering if you would confess to being the bring Brom home guy. <laughs> well, was he the Mick is the pick guy now? Same thing, like, yeah. Change that. Uh, no, I am not. I, I am enjoying the uh, the speculation. I guess. I mean, I saw Trilly Donovan put out his. You know, he like blacked out. Mick Cronin or whatever, and now you got people debating on the the prospective candidates and all of that, and that's fun to watch from for the uh, the timeline purposes. How much of it is is actually true or not, I can't really speak to. But uh, you know, the coaching hot board season went into effect a while ago, and I know that people are going to be feasting on it as they have to try and endure the rest of this year. Well, listen, I hope you can understand that I, I also don't think you are the Bring Brom home guy, but that I, I, I do think it's my duty at this point to just ask everybody. Well, I just no, want everyone to go on the record. Yeah. No, it's fine. On the record, uh, yes, I do not. I am not the Bring Brom home guy. I also feel like I should be on the record in saying that uh, I believe you and Biscuit had a conversation regarding Chris Beard yesterday, right? And uh, his... We did, and we're going to do a little more today. What's on your mind? Yeah. So my mind on that is, I do not think that is something that Louisville should do. Um, that is my opinion. Uh, from a PR standpoint, from a, a what we know about that situation standpoint, and I, I got to say, we talk about baggage as a term with certain candidates. Not all baggage is the same. Like If we're talking about what a guy like Will Wade would bring versus what Chris Beard would bring, we have to understand that those are two completely different types of quote-unquote baggage right because like i mean will wade got in trouble for making offers to players basically which is what's happening what it's always happened but now it's pretty much happening everywhere with nil and such so that's a totally different type of pr uh consideration than chris beard and how he got fired at texas so yeah i i think you guys did a good job discussing that and i just i don't see it as an avenue for Louisville, I, don't, I never rule anything out in this day and age. And obviously, he's been a hell of a coach on the court. But from a PR standpoint and, and where this university is at, I just don't see that being a smart move. All right, Tyler, appreciate you making time for us as always, uh, buddy. Uh, enjoy a late one uh, tonight. We'll catch up with you again soon here, buddy. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, Tyler Griever, WDRB. Appreciate him uh, making time for us. Uh, I, do th- I think he's right that if it – when it comes to Kenny and making a change and all that sort of thing, if they if nothing's happened, if none of the things that have happened up to this point are enough to make you want to make a move, it's hard to imagine what else could happen in season uh, that would make them be like, okay, now is the time. Yeah, so, it's. Not I, I just I don't see how that like if you were going to do it, they should have already done it. Yeah, I would have done it after Arkansas State, and I certainly would have done it after Kentucky because then you got two weeks to prep and get whoever the interim coach is probably Nolan Smith get him ready to go but at this point there have just been too many rock bottoms that I don't think Josh Hurd or whoever is going to make this decision I don't think they're going to look at one particular rock bottom and say okay no this is the final straw I there's just too many piled on top of each other and I don't know if they're going to wait for the buyout but if, if a move was going to happen it would have been done by now and I wish it would have been done just simply so we could have something new to talk about as far as you know, how many times have we seen an interim coach in all sports just kind of make their team a little bit better just in the short term? I mean, we just saw it with Antonio Pierce, and he ended up getting the head coaching job full-time with the Raiders, but that doesn't happen most of the time. But you'll see guys play with a sense of rejuvenation, and we just it just hasn't happened here. Yeah, it's funny because I don't think that there's uh, anybody who believes that, that – I think most Louisville fans, I keep catching myself and wanting to say it in a better way, I don't think that there are any Louisville fans uh, who who want them to wait to make a move or who think making a move will make it better. <laughs> like I, it's, a, it's a weird uh, just settling in for, for, some, for how bad things are going to be for a little while and just recognizing it. But I, I, don't, I think there are fans, if you ask them, should they make a move right now? Yes. Will it help anything? No. 
Like I don't think anyone thinks that it would it would solve or fix a problem. I think it's really more about just can you please let us know this is all that there's going to be. Yeah, it's just really not about misery. helping this team at all. Yeah, just put an end to all of our misery at this point and just give us an opportunity to move forward and have something to look forward to instead of just kind of playing out the string because it's it is too late in the season for it to really change anything. Of course, we're not going to go on and win the ACC tournament or anything like that. Maybe you show modest improvement, but we're too late into the season for it to have any real drastic difference except for just the psychological weight off the shoulders. This is finally over. Let's move on, and let's see if we can get this program back on track. Yeah, it's, it is it is unfortunate that they did not make uh, the move, I think back, especially after the Kentucky game with a couple of weeks. Uh, to to try and break somebody else in uh, and and do that and just take the pressure off. And Texture wants to know, isn't that a problem though, Mark? I'm not one to go after Josh, but he's allowed it to get this bad. Um, I don't really know that there's a great way for Josh to have handled this. Uh, when the team is bad, there's no way to like fast forward through the calendar. Uh, and that's why I brought up just the fact, like if they had made a move now. No one really thinks that it would make things better. It would just be an end to the bad that we have. Uh, I don't think it would solve much of anything, but I'm totally fine with, if you're of the opinion, that that's okay. You know, that, that it, it, look, I, I, you don't make a move thinking that it'll necessarily fix it, but you do it anyway. Uh, because you got, there's value in saying this isn't good enough, even if I can't make it better right now. And you know what the truth is? I don't really have much of a problem with that logic at all. There, there's a morale value to be had in just sort of seeing a standard enforced. Yeah, that was my biggest thing is just the morale and the fact that it's all doom and gloom here right now. Just getting everybody, just the morale to be a little bit different. I think there is something to just saying, you know what, this isn't good enough. There are standards we've got to uphold. And, you know, we're just asking Josh Heard too many questions right now, and he did answer a lot of them, but there's still a lot of them out there because this move hasn't happened. Hour number one here in the books. Let's take a quick break here and come back. We'll open up the phones uh, and, and one angle, at least, of the Chris Beard uh, discussion and Trilly Donovan tweet uh, discussion here uh, that I, I don't know that very many people have considered. And I want to hopefully hear from you guys uh, about that because I'm willing. And I think there'd be some value in like grown people just hashing it out uh, like grown people. Uh, and letting people hear smart uh, defenses of all the sides of Chris Beard. So we'll do some of that. We'll talk with Jeff Walls at 4.30 on The Drive on Nintendo Ville. Be right back. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.